The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. I am Josh Dunn, joined by Anshu Khanna this evening. We are without Dan, um, but Anshu, I do still have you, luckily. How are you oh, this evening? I'm the lucky one, my friend. Going all right. Um, you know, Bulls have the number seven pick, so that's cool. How about you? Uh, I'm doing all right. We're definitely going to get to the lottery. Uh, my Cavs didn't do much better. They didn't fare much better in the lottery. They end up with number five. Uh, but we'll talk about what our thoughts are and how that could end up for our teams. And uh, we'll definitely talk about uh, some of the teams that might have fared a little bit better than ours. But Let's start by talking about what just ended, and that is a comeback by the Golden State Warriors, who were down by 15 points at halftime. Seth Curry hit a big three-pointer to take the lead in that last minute, and then uh, Steph Curry took over, and Golden State's going to win another championship. So, Anju, Portland now down 0-2. Durant's not going to play in games three or four in Portland, but Portland definitely has to win both of these to get even have a chance in this series, don't they? Oh, 100%. I mean, look, they're, they're in a bad spot now. They've got to win four of six games. Um, or what, four or five games, I guess. I, I you know, it's not going to be easy, but here they are. I mean, they, look, they without Durant, this is basically what the Blazers or any team would have hoped for. And, you know, last series we talked about with Denver and Portland. I thought that Denver would have trouble coming off that Spurs series, that seven-game series, and that they would, you know, maybe be a little lethargic. It took seven games for them to look that way, and even then they didn't look that bad. I feel like Portland is coming off that dogfight series with the Nuggets and having to roll into playing Golden State. That's just it's going to be tough, man. It, it's just a tough situation, and and you know Golden State wasn't in a was in a dogfight themselves, but you know there's, it's it's just tough to go on the road like this. And you know I do expect the Blazers to come back and play really well in Game Three. I think this series will ultimately hinge on Game Four, but at the end of the day, it's just going to be tough. And you know they. You can't win giving up the kind of game they did to Draymond Green. This was I know we both dislike Draymond Green with a passion, but he had he played really well, unfortunately, and and they just they had no answers for him, I felt like, and, and it ended it like basically because of him. I thought that he and Iguodala, those are guys you have to just outplay, and I didn't think the Blazers did that. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I feel like this game, too, reminds me a lot of game one last year in the NBA Finals when the Cavs kind of had it in hand and, and J.R. Smith makes that huge mistake and they never really have an opportunity back in this series. Or even even worse, back to my, my uh, 1995 NBA Finals of me just being a young lad, just starting to enjoy the NBA and my heart just being absolutely ripped out of my chest when Nick Anderson missed free throws in the uh, the, the Orlando Magic had a 20-point lead at halftime. They're up by like 23, and then they end up losing to, to Houston and getting swept. I mean, this is what this feels like. Not not necessarily from a fan perspective, but just from a just the air being completely taken out of your sails. And I just I feel like that's where this is going for Portland. And it's, it's tough because Portland's such a likable team, 
and they always lose series. Like they just get they get crushed by uh, an opponent that just overmatches them, and you just don't. You want to see Damian Lillard get over that hump, but you just kind of feel like he never will. I I mean, look, the way they've played these playoffs, I think you got to give them a lot of credit that they sure. got they got all the way here without. Nurkic, what do they need, though, to get to get to that? Would, would Nurkic have made that much of a difference? Or do they need, no. like, a bona fide superstar to play alongside Lillard and McCollum? I just don't know what would get them over that hump. I think I think that's exactly what they need. I mean, it, look, he, Golden State could roll this exact same team back out there next year. And, you know, even <sighs> Houston. Do, do the Blazers beat that Houston team? I, I thought that they would have a chance. They'd certainly have a better chance than this Golden State team. That's just a fact. But, like, you know, I I, I think... I've been saying this the whole time. I think that it will take a guy like Zach Collins making the leap, you know, and they, they got that leap out of McCollum. They got that leap out of Lillard. It might be asking too much to get a third guy to do that. I mean, Seth Curry looked awesome tonight, plus 13, 16 points. If, if he can be a dynamic score, dynamic perimeter threat for them, that, that could be a big difference for them. And, you know, we saw it in the Denver series. Rodney Hood stepped up. They absolutely have to have that third or fourth player and fourth player, I would say, step up. You can't have Al Farouk Aminu or, or, you know, Mo Harkless or those guys. These guys can't be your third best player in these games. And, I mean, again, I keep saying that I think Zach Collins is that guy, but dude plays eight minutes and does absolutely nothing in this game. (laughs) He had two turnovers and nothing else. That was his entire stat line. So I think that's that's called a double trillion, isn't it? That's that's a bad – that's a bad game for him. And, um, you know, I agree. I think that they, they absolutely need a piece. I'd love to see them make a run at a guy like Tobias Harris. I mean, I think that would be a great fit for them as like a number three piece, but you're right. I, I, they're just not quite there, unfortunately. Yeah. And who, who wants to go to Portland? You know, that's, that's the other piece. (laughs) Yeah. And again, that's like your Tobias Harris. Maybe Boogie is that guy. I, I don't know. They, they need another player for sure. I'd say. Well, let's let's look at the East. Something a little bit more competitive at this point. Uh, but Toronto does go down in Game One. Uh, Bovada, our friends at BovadaSportsbooks.com, they have Milwaukee now as four hundred fifty minus four hundred fifty favorites to win this series. Uh, Toronto now at plus three twenty five. Kawhi's looked great. We all know what he did in Game Seven uh, against Philadelphia. But what does Toronto need to do to keep this series interesting? I know you you've been high on this Bucks team. Yeah, and I mean, I think we're both pretty high on this Raptors team too. It's just I, I keep saying that the Raptors are basically a lesser version of of the Bucks because Kawhi is basically basically Giannis, uh, you know, not quite the same player, but just the whole thing is built around one player. And then it just who how will the supporting cast fare? And you know, we looked at this box score in, our, in the Fantasy Hour show, and I mean, it's they they need more out of Siakam. They need more out of Marcus. Marcus Sol was a disaster. You give up, you score, you go two for 11 with six points and you give up 29 in an absolute career game for Brooke Lopez. It just can't happen. And that's, that's the difference right there. Marcus all Pascal Siakam have to be better for the Raptors or that this thing's going to be, it's going to be less than six games. It's going to be, you know, four or five. Yeah. And if you guys want to hear a little bit more in-depth coverage of what we think of what the Raptors have done in this playoffs and what we think about this series overall, check us out on, uh, the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We took a little bit deeper dive into both of these series, uh, but we wanted to get to some other things so that we don't have a ton of overlap. And that one thing that we didn't talk about on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour 
is the NBA Draft Lottery, which took place on Tuesday. And Anshu, both of us went in with so much hope, again, just to have our hearts ripped out of our chest. And this is what sports does to us. This is what the Warriors do to me every year. Um, But the Bulls end up with the number seven pick in the draft, which I know you're super excited about. And the Cavs will be just a couple spots in front of you at number five. Uh, So the Cavs with five and 26. Uh, I'm not not nearly as optimistic about next year now uh, without us really being able to get a superstar. But what are your thoughts on New Orleans? It looks like, you know, there's been talk of Zion, and obviously those reports have been refuted of he's going to go back to Duke because he doesn't want to play in New Orleans. I mean, David Griffin was excited. You just saw Alvin Gentry using some expletives when he saw that they got the number one pick. I mean, you've got to think that this is some some level of poetic justice after what transpired with Anthony Davis this entire season. Absolutely. I, I loved that they won the lottery, honestly. I mean, failing one of our teams doing it. And, you know, I was I was hoping one of ours would do it because I think it'd be really fun. But, you know, it. I'm so glad it wasn't New York or L.A. I, it made me sick to my stomach when I saw that the Lakers had jumped into the top four. I, I mean, could you imagine if they won it or got <sighs> even in the top two? That would have been so bad. I'm glad they were at four. Screw them. But you know th- that New Orleans gets it after having to deal with all the Zion or the all the Anthony Davis drama, and the, that's all, folks. Crap! Like, I'm good for them. Honestly, they deserve it. David Griffin deserves it, and um, you know they jump up six spots. I like they they and the Grizzlies too. Both I think deserve uh, you know what they will get, which is it looks like Zion and then John Morant one two. Um, you know it's a shame neither of our teams will get them, but I'm glad it's New Orleans. Yeah, which that does look like what's going to happen. Memphis has come out and said that's what they want, and I don't know if New Orleans would be stupid enough to take anything other than Zion. But no. put on your hat, your Bovada hat for me for a second. I want I want you to be an odds maker. I like to play this game from time to time. Outside of those first two picks, you've got the New York Knicks sitting there at three, the Los Angeles Lakers at four, and Cleveland at five. Give me some odds on who those three, four, five players could be. Well, I – I would say it's minus 500 on RJ Barrett at three. If I had to do the Bovada thing, I mean, I think that that seems like a lock to me. They did say that they're going to look at other, you know, players are going to work some players out. Unlike the Grizzlies who apparently are just going to go with Moran. That's it. Um, you know, they, I, it surprises me a little bit. I, I think part of that is because the Knicks and Lakers, both those picks are very much in play for trades. And wouldn't it be interesting if the Pelicans shipped Anthony Davis to New York and then repaired Zion with RJ Barrett in New Orleans and built their team around those two um, at the NBA level? That'd be interesting. I think that Barrett has a good chance to be a better pro than he was a college player. And then, you know, if if it's the Lakers, you know that they want to get rid of that pick. I mean, there, there's really no reason in pairing, you know, a 34, 35-year-old LeBron James with, I don't know, Jarrett Culver or, you know, Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter. I mean, I, I think that they, they're they very likely to package that up with some of their guys, whether it's Lonzo or somebody else, and, you know, get pieces that can help LeBron, you know, potentially win the West next year. I, I don't see that ever happening, but who knows? They add Anthony Davis somehow that it, it could maybe happen. So um, that's that's my thought. And so I'd say minus 500 on Barrett at three. At number four, man, that is a total crapshoot. I, I guess – if I had to guess, it would be someone probably trying to come up ahead of Cleveland, um, you know, or just trading a veteran to the Lakers and the best player at that point, I would probably say is Garland, but it might be Culver. It might be Hunter. I think that any of those guys would be 
plus 150, any of those three, maybe Garland slightly longer odds, although Garland apparently was uh, given a guarantee that he is going to get drafted in the lottery, and he left the NBA Combine this week because of that, which is wild. So um, that's kind of what I think at those picks. I mean, where, where are you at? So the, the Cavs are at number five. What are, what's been kind of the spread of players that you've seen there? Yeah, I mean, the one that I want is Jarrett Culver. I, I just think that yes. he's the type of player that, that makes sense for the Cavs at this point. I mean, they have their point guard. I mean, they, they put – they played like four point guards most games last year in significant minutes. So I, that's the last position I really would want for them. And as much as I would have loved to see John ja Morant in a Cavs uniform because of the athleticism and just the kind of general floor general kind of presence that he brings, I don't think it would have been a great basketball fit with Colin Sexton. So I, I think, I think Culver makes a lot of sense. He, you know, he's a, he's a longer guard that can shoot. He's very athletic. He plays excellent defense, which I think really the Cavs defense. are going to need. So I think he's probably the best fit, whether or not he's there. You know, somebody could try to jump up to that four spot to take him. So I think he's the best fit. I, I don't love Cam Reddish for the Cavs either. I, I think he was – I mean, obviously he was overshadowed by by Zion and, and R.J. Barrett, but I just – he never – he reminded me so much of Jonathan, Jonathan Isaac when he was at Florida State, just just being cool. passive and, and not, not really taking over at any point in, in any game. And I think you, you look at him and you expect him to be one of the more talented players on the floor, and then you just don't get to see that. And that, that's exactly what Jonathan Isaac was for me at Florida State. You wanted him to take over games. You wanted him to show the athletic ability that he had, and, and he just never did that. And you're kind of seeing that in the NBA and in Orlando as well for him. So I, I, I kind of I see that comparison. Um, but – you know, I think that there's going to be good talent there at five. Um, but I was just I was going to ask you before you posed that question to me, what are you feeling about the general depth in this draft? Because we all know about one, two, and three. But do you think that there's going to be some decent value to be had in the seven to 15 range? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really, actually. I, I think that the strength of this draft is like after, after that, like the 20 range. I think that this draft really lacks from, unfortunately from like four to 15 where you have, you know, potentially good players, but I don't see a lot of all-stars there. Like the guys that are going to take in around five or six are generally guys you see later in the lottery, like 10, 11, 12, I think. Um, I mean, you might find a good player. I think Jared Culver could be a really, really good player. I think the all around talent and like a real starter. Um, but when you think of, you know, in the lottery, you're trying to get the third, second, third, fourth best player on a champion, probably not second, but you know, third or fourth, the best player on a championship team. I'm just not sure there are a lot of those guys. I mean, one of them might hit, but I think a lot of them aren't going to, and you just might end up with a bunch of role players. I mean, I, you know, I don't like Kobe white, but I think that he's definitely like a decent off the bench microwave type scorer. Um, you know, I think Reddish is definitely an off the bench type shooter, although he was a terrible shooter at Duke and, you know, he, I, I just don't get what happened there. Jackson Hayes, same kind of thing. I mean, the dude is, you know, basically a, a throwback type center that isn't going to be able to play that way. I like, you know, he's, he's kind of like a, a, ideally you hope he's like a Capella type, but the dude shot like zero threes at Texas. So, um, I don't know anything about Dumboya, the French player. Um, Brandon Clark is a role player. Bull Bull, total risk, kind of like Michael Porter Jr. last year. Romeo Langford's a guy that I think, you know, is potentially a talent that, you know, could could rise, could be one of those second or third best players on a champion. But, I, I mean, a lot has to work out for him. And, and 
then the rest of them, it's, it's a rough go. But then, you know, around 21, 22, again, you've got some talented players. Rui Hachimura is someone I like a lot. Matisse Teibel from Washington is an r- amazing defensive player. We saw Ty Jerome in the championship and throughout that tournament the last few years, he's a gritty bench type But those. So there's a lot of like those types, but you know, usually they just get pushed down the board by more talented players. I just don't see that in this draft, unfortunately. So zero bias wise, what's your best case scenario? What's your wish list for the bulls at seven? Oh God. I mean, <laughs> what's like your my, number one choice that they could potentially get there. And then maybe like what you, what you would like if they can't. Yeah. I mean, well, I would like for them to use it in a trade probably. Um, but my number one choice, if they had to stay at seven and draft someone, would probably be Culver. Um, my number two would be Garland, and that's basically just seeing him play almost no time at Vanderbilt. But because of he's my type of player, you know, the dude, he he just he steps back and shoots twenty five footers, which I like, and I think that portends well to the NBA. His shooting percentages are incredibly good in a small sample. So I, I like him a lot. Worst case is Kobe white, obviously, cause I hate him, but he's, you know, he's whatever, but you know, I, I expect them to end up with white probably just cause that's kind of the bull's way is to take <laughs> to a, to disappoint me and B to take like the high floor guy. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. That's fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like we're both going to end up disappointed in this draft. I mean, if I get, we already Cal- are, if we, if we get Culver, I, I want, Sexton last year from the get-go and you you kind of you turned me on to him a little bit last year and I just you know after watching him He's such play, a Josh Dunn player he, he is and I've, I've loved watching him his rookie year I mean I, I I don't usually I don't usually go out and buy a jersey of a rookie player but Sexton like got me to do that and I, I can't yeah. wait to see him in his second year after he's had an, uh, you know a year to mature a little bit and if they can get a guy like Jared Culver to be his sidekick I think that could be very interesting and then they have the 26th pick as well I told you uh, cool. who my dream was offline I mean, if I if we could get Fiondu Cabangale at the 26th pick out of Florida State, just the athletic ability that he brings. He's a premier shot blocker. He's somebody that can jump through the roof. You know, he's the nephew of Dikembe Mutombo, and he plays a little bit like him, but he's more athletic. I just That's think that fun. that would make a lot of sense for the Cavs. They have some decent bigs. They've got they've got you know Kevin Love who could stretch the floor. That's he's locked up for quite a while if they don't trade him. But that's a guy that I think you could really get some value in, and that's going to go a little bit under the radar because he really didn't play a ton at Florida State because they they use such a rotation. But he really opened some eyes in that tournament last year, uh, and I think he's a guy that if we can somehow grab at twenty six, I've seen him mocked at twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine. Uh, oh, if, if he's there at 26 and, and we'd have an opportunity, obviously there's a little bias there cause I'm a Florida state fan, but I would love to get a guy with his athleticism to add to our already pretty decent group of bigs. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, that's early thoughts on the NBA draft. Wanted to hear your thoughts on how the draft, uh, the lottery shook out. And, uh, I think we're excited to see what, what actually ha- ends up happening uh, and probably be Anxious, disappointed. Maybe not yeah, excited. That's probably a better word. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, let's let's finish it up by talking a little bit of baseball. It's been a while since we've gotten back to the baseball diamond, and uh, we're about a quarter of the way through the baseball season. Can you believe that? We're almost, well, I guess we are a quarter of the way through the season, so uh, I, I couldn't believe that when I looked at the standings, but wanted to go back to uh, Bovada and look at some lines here, futures, uh, kind of see where things are shaking out as far as who they expect to win the pennant, who they expect to win the World Series. Uh, they still have the Houston Astros as the favorite at plus 300 on Bovada, uh, the Dodgers at plus 400, the Yankees at plus 600, and then Boston and the Cubs rounding things out with the top five as far as odds go. Uh, do you think that this kind of looks about right for you right now? 
Um, I'm selling the Red Sox. I'll tell you that right now. And, and the, I just feel like this is not the Yankees year. I know we're only a quarter of the way through. They're 26 and 16 despite their injuries, which is very impressive. But I worry about them with the injuries. I think that both those AL East teams are, are just ones to sell. The Red Sox are on the way up. They're 23 and 20 now. They started just a disaster early. And now Chris Sale striking out everybody in sight. I just... You know, there, you always have to be concerned about the injuries there. I, I just, I'm not feeling that. Um, I, I don't really like those two teams, honestly. I, I love the first two. You mentioned Astros, Dodgers, plus 300, plus 400. It's too easy to say those two teams, but I just feel like they are leaps and bounds above everyone else. You didn't mention the Rays at plus 1,200. Now, I, I don't think that they're going to win the World Series, but if you think again about, you know, investments, I think that they have a decent chance at winning their division they're up only a half game on the yankees but they've been relatively healthy tyler glass now is hurt for them which is tough but when he gets back when you combine him with blake snell who hasn't been very good yet but been somewhat unlucky um you get those two guys going and then a couple openers that you know they are built for the playoffs with the openers i mean teams go to that but you know maybe they're not accustomed to it over the course of a regular season kevin cash has had these rays doing that for two years if and when they get to a playoffs they're going to be a tough team to beat. Now, they, they'll issue with the Rays is that, you know, when they're in the playoffs, they have almost no home field advantage, which hurts them. But, you know, they're I think they're they're built to win in the playoffs, which would be fun. So I like them at plus 12 plus uh, twelve hundred. You know, I, I think that the Brewers are a good team plus fifteen hundred. And you got to think about Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell. Those two guys are going to shift the landscape of this whole thing. And, you know, I, I think the Brewers are a good bet to sign one of those two. Um, which would be interesting. Tampa's been a team that's been rumored with both of those names as well, especially Keuchel in recent days. I mean, it sounds like neither of those guys are going to sign until the draft is behind us, but the Rays are a team that, you know, could use an extra arm, and I've seen both of their names rumored to go there. Um, What about the Twins? I mean, the Twins are at plus 1,500 right now on Bovada. They, I think they're probably the surprise of the year so far. They're four games up on the Indians in the division, and seven and three in the last ten. Sox. Seven, seven. Socks are good. The socks are good. The socks are looking better than we expected, though. I would say, especially socks with the injuries question. that they've had. No doubt, twenty and twenty-two, man, pretty impressive for sure. But do you think the Twins are for real? I guess is where I was going with that. Uh, I don't. I think they've got massive issues in their in their pitching staff, and I, I just think that they are flying way too close to the sun with some of. The for- good fortune they've had. Jake Odorizzi is just not this good. I mean, he's just – he's not. Pretty good um, last his batting, year. His batting average of balls in play right now is 244. I mean, that's going to come up to around 300. So you can just expect that runs are going to come against him. Jose Barrios is incredible. Martin Perez is awesome too. Those those two guys and Kyle Gibson. So those three are actually pretty legit, but I, I'm just – I'm You're not talking yourself it. into it. Shit, I am. Yeah, you're right. You, you got me. You got me going. I just don't really like when you think of the Twins and their their pitching and their hitting. I'm. It's tough. I I don't really buy. I, there's just not a whole lot of like high end quality. You know, I mean they're they're they've been good, but you know they're I just like a lineup with Polanco and Buxton and Rosario and Scope. I mean Nelson Cruz is good, but the rest of them are yeah. You know I they're just. It just you put them all together and it, I guess it kind of works, but I'm I'm just not buying. So I don't like them at plus fifteen hundred. I'm I definitely more bullish on the Indians at plus twenty eight hundred. I love that 
from Bovada. That's, you know, I know that they need to get healthy, but that is a team, I think, a, a major sleeping giant now that Francisco Lindor's basically got his spring training out of the way. Yeah, and he's been hitting the hell out of the ball lately for yeah. sure. But they also have uh, the Indians on Bovada at uh, plus 105 to win the division. So it sounds like you would be a buyer in that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am a buyer. I, I I don't know. I'm always a sucker for them, though, which is, um, I've obviously failed on many times. But this might be your last chance to get them kind of low before Corey Kluber presumably gets back. And, you know, they Mike Clevenger should be back in a couple weeks. So when, when they have those four guys, there is not a better rotation in baseball. But what are your uh, – speaking of really good rotations in baseball, right now the Cubs – I think have had the best rotation in terms of the numbers in baseball. Do you, you buy that? They're plus 1,000. They got real hot there over the last few weeks before the Brewers came to town. What are your thoughts on them? Uh, yeah, I mean, they've they've definitely been a surprise after the slow start. I mean, Chris Bryant was, was off to a miserable start to start the year, and he's been amazing over the last, I don't know, three weeks to a month. Uh, they've really woken up. The bats have woken up, and they're, they're, you talk about their rotation. I mean, they've they've definitely figured things out. Uh, your your boy, uh, why am I? Uh, why is the name escaping me? Um, Which one? Well, Darvish has, has looked a little bit better. He's obviously putting a lot of strikeouts on the board, but he's walking a lot of folks. Uh, but our uh, uh, gosh, Quintana. Yes, your boy Quintana, our, our former sock. I don't know why I couldn't think of the name. Uh, he, he's looked a lot better as well. I mean, he's he's been getting a little bit more consistency. You, so you feel like every three or four games he does have a dud, but if, if, if they can get him back to the form that he was in in his all-star year, uh, I think he could kind of be the difference in that rotation. Um, so I think that I think the Cubs have, have kind of gotten back to their ways when early in the season we were like, have we seen the end of their reign? But you kind of knew that the bats would wake up and they would kind of get things going. But definitely been... Yeah. Definitely been a pleasant surprise for the North Chicago fans. Obviously, you and I don't love seeing it, but they've been good. And Kyle Hendricks had that, uh, what was it, like an 81-pitch complete game shutout. Uh, It was like the the, the least amount of pitches in a complete game shutout in like, I think it was like 15 years or something. Yeah, it was crazy. His his three-game stretch that he's on right now has been the best of his career, and He's been absurd. I mean, he's his home runs per nine is down to 0.72. Same with John Lester. Dude, John Lester's having an incredible season, by the way. He has been absolutely lights out. 1.16 ERA. I mean, that, it's been a little bit fluky with the lack of home runs per nine, but he is going to home runs for five fly ball. Sorry, but he's, you know, he and he, that'll come back to earth a little bit. But the way he's played... So far in each of the last two seasons, he's kind of saved them at times. I feel like when you know maybe things were going awry, and and Cole Hamels has been good. They're just if if they can get you Darvish right. I mean, and crazy stat from our buddy Pats uh, that I heard yesterday, which was he has yet to throw a quality start in his entire Cubs career. Of wow. you know, I know he's only had what like fifteen, sixteen starts, but that's crazy to think at over two years with a guy that's being paid that much and is that talented. Uh, just hasn't quite putting it all together, but you know, if he does that, that'll give them a little more leeway for one of those other pitchers to come back to earth a little bit. And then, you know, like you said, the bats wake up They're They're totally, they're a monster. So that's, you know, actually plus 1000 is not bad odds for the Cubs right now either. That rotation in theory should be so much better than it's been this year. And you would just, you just kind of are waiting for it to get to the point where you would expect it to be. And it just hasn't. But like I said, I think that those guys, they figured out, you just can't figure his control out. Um, But I feel like if he does, he's, he's, he's got some nasty stuff. I mean, he's, he's 
putting up 10, 10, 12 strikeouts in a lot of these outings, but he just can't stay on the field because he walks too many people. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, they're, they're an interesting one to watch. And uh, you know, our socks plus 7,000 to win the division. I mean, let's go. Why not? We're only seven back. You, you never know, man. If, if, no, if, you if are. Rodon doesn't get hurt, Eloy's coming back. Ugh. Things could have been so much different for us. But the Rodon we, thing is such a dagger, man. That was he, so disappointing. I mean, la- last year we had the same thing. It, it's 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 tough. It's it's gonna it's gonna be tough with all the injuries, but at least the bats look good. You know, Timmy Anderson's been a very bright spot on this team. Moncada's been good. Abreu's been excellent this year. I just hope they don't go into trade and sell mode. Uh, you know, as the season wears on, because I'd like to see this core stay intact. Yeah, just keep it interesting through August. That's all I ask. Keep it like stay within you know ten five ten games. That'd be fun because you know this team's not anymore. You know, they get the number three pick here in the next few weeks. Um, and let from last year. And, and, you know, once that happens, I think that hopefully that's the last time they draft in the top five. I think we're all ready to see them start to play, uh, you know, competitive baseball. And, and I do think that they, they're getting there. You can just tell with the way they look right now. And, you know, as the summer goes on, those bats should heat up. So it should be fun. Only three games back of the wild card. Let's go. Oh, wow. They're right there. Awesome. They are. All right, let's get to, oh, by the ways, we're almost at the 30-minute mark. Anshu, what did you have for us this weekend? Yeah, I mean, the PGA Championship, let's go on brand, the second major of the year. And, you know, it's been a really interesting first day. Brooks Kepka sets a course record at Bethpage Black, shooting a 63. I fully expect him to hang on. I believe he's plus 150 at Bovada. Um, you know, to win this thing. And, and, you know, he's just so rock solid. It's so hard for him to tank. And, you know, it's going to be tough, even with a pretty decent top 10 leaderboard um, for any of those guys to catch him unless they, they catch fire for multiple days. And, you know, he basically is average or below average. So I, I look to Kepka to go potentially wire to wire here. And, you know, that doesn't happen very often. And, you know, looking for a second straight PGA championship, which is crazy. It is. Golf is back officially. Uh, so mine real quick, we haven't talked a lot of football of late NFL season, you know, little ways away. Uh, but there was some news in the last day or two with Patrick Peterson uh, violating the NFL's PED policy. He's going to get a six game suspension for that. I mean, he's one of the best corners in the league. He's been in eight, Pro Bowl eight times. Uh, he, you know, it, it, why are guys still doing this? I just it, you see somebody, some big name like this before you know before uh training camp that gets suspended this at this point when you know it's one of your one of your best players i just I don't, don't understand why people are still trying to 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 duck the system and and do things this way and you just you, they're gonna get caught i just don't get it it, it yeah. makes no sense to me it's true and you know they also are in a weird spot because he He's been very outspoken against the Cardinals organization. This is a tough look for Patrick Peterson. I love him. I think that he's, I'm with you, one of the three or four best corners, bar none, in the in the league. And, you know, in a passing heavy league, he's increasingly important. But, man, to get suspect pop for PEDs now, is that's a tough look for him. And, you know, yeah, I think that's going to quiet him down a little bit uh, on social media. You would hope so. Well, that's going to do it for us. Anshu Kana. I think we've uh, we've we've run our, our course on this show, but we do look forward to talking more with you guys next week. We've got the NBA Finals on the horizon. NFL's not too far away. We're in the heart of baseball season. We love it. Uh, but for Anchikana, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been the Leftovers. We'll see you guys next week.